welcome to Second Look. This is what I get for announcing a topic in advance. I am your host, Benjamin Green, and this is the show where we try to integrate everything that goes on in our lives together to have to live a whole life. Because I believe that doing so is a conservative thing to do. You might notice I don't sound quite as chipper as I am normally. Um, And like I said a moment ago, this is what I get for announcing a topic in advance. Two weeks ago, I had an episode and I said at the end of the episode that next week we'll be talking about um, our our local communities, and I am going to make that episode. I intend for it to be published next week. Last week, I ended up with a really bad sore throat and didn't have the voice to record. Um, so, this week, the, the topic has been upended by, as I'm sure you've guessed by now, the horrible, horrible school shooting... Um, coming out of Florida, and I mean, all school shootings are horrible, but, but this one seems to have struck a lot of people in a very powerful way, and I think that what we are looking at within our culture is a turning point for many people. Um, this is a shooting where the the law enforcement authorities were aware that the particular shooter was maybe a bit of a risk um where even the shooter i mean based on reports from the family he was living with it appears that the shooter was getting help for mental health problems he was having it's a uh, a weird situation and it's a very sad situation. I know a lot of people feel only anger toward um, the shooter. I I feel a great deal of sorrow for him as well. Uh, what what a what a waste of a life, what a legacy to leave behind. It's so so unbelievably sad to me. Um, and all these victims, 17 victims and families who are left with a gaping hole because of the actions of this one person. Sadly, these events are becoming more and more common, it would seem. Um, there is an, a, a statistic that has been parroted over and over that there have been 18 school shootings this year. That number is not accurate. They're including a number of events that shouldn't be included. But the people I see going around and railing about how that number is inaccurate do need to pause and reckon with the fact that these shootings are common. It is common in our society for young people to go to school, a place that should be safe, and die. 
And until we come to grips with the reality of that, Second Amendment defenders like myself will always come across as unfeeling, uncaring. We will come across as though we are saying, so what if these people died? That is not a point of view that I share. Like I said, I am a Second Amendment defender. I am a Second Amendment absolutist. I, (laughs) as much as I don't want my next door neighbor to own a tank, (laughs) I personally think they should be allowed to. I think that um, what the founders intended was that the civilian population be armed equitably with the military population. Obviously, this is not something that's even remotely true. And in our current state of weaponization around the world, not even really optimal. I mean, if any rich guy can buy himself a nuke, then things get really scary really fast. So even though I'm there in my head... I do acknowledge that there is a practical side of life. That there is somewhere, there is a line that has to be drawn for the sake of order. Somewhere, at some point, we have to say, okay, you're not allowed to own this kind of weapon. Much of this debate centers around the AR-15, which, through a strange turn of events, <laughs> I have I have shot three or four. I have shot four guns in my lifetime. All of them were in the same weekend. And the very first gun I ever shot was an AR-15. So, it it's always... I don't think there's any real significance to it, but ever since having that experience, I have um, felt a little bit differently when people start talking about the AR-15. The AR-15 is very good at doing what guns do, at shooting a small projectile very, very fast. It can be used to shoot as I used it for fun at a dirt pile, actually, um, with some targets on it, it can be used to kill. And I think it's pretty much inarguable that the primary purpose of guns is to kill. I've never used a gun for that purpose. And I'm not just talking about people. I've, I've never gone hunting or anything like that. I, though, do really enjoy the experience of shooting. It, it's one, like I said, I only had one time, but I loved every minute of it. It was fun. And I think the right gets trapped in their enjoyment of guns. I do not believe that it's wrong to enjoy shooting an AR-15. 
I don't believe that it's wrong to own an AR-15. But at this point, when the discourse challenges conservatives, and conservatives like to shoot, especially, it seems, if you're from the South, um, and when the discourse challenges that, pop culture says, you are a bad person if you enjoy this, if you enjoy this gun, if you enjoy this activity. When that happens, we get this bizarre reaction that I'm going to call fringe. It's a common reaction, so it's not fringe in that way. It's fringe in the way that it's just completely bizarre and out of what should be ordinary within conservative discourse. And we see these people fetishizing their guns and almost sexualizing owning a gun and posing with that gun and shoving it in, not physically shoving a gun in people's faces, but rubbing in people's faces that we own this gun. Yeah, I have an AR-15, and if you got a problem with that, I'm gonna take pictures of myself with it and send them to you. Like, it, it's this bizarre um, bravado that that totally alarms me because it speaks to me that people are not responding to this as they should. So, what can we do? This is what people are crying out for. And this is something that I sympathize with. People see this horrible problem and they immediately want to fix it. They want to do something. How can we make it so that we stop these kids getting shot at school? Well, typically... The response we see from the left is to demonize the NRA and to demonize people who own these guns. To say that the NRA wants children to die. This is a very common sentiment that I find, at least online, and, and it seems more and more and more common. If you own one of these guns, if you support the rights of people to own these guns, then you want kids to die. That is disingenuous, and that line of argument has no place in our discourse. Neither does the bizarre response from the right that I talked about a moment ago. But we have this burning desire to do something. Well, the left then moves toward banning guns, and they point at countries around the world that have done gun bans or just have strict, strict gun laws about who can own them and that sort of thing. And they say, look, these countries have not experienced this problem. And it's not that these countries have never had a mass shooting or anything like that. It's that these countries don't have the, the epidemic of mass shootings that we seem to have here in America. I don't believe that banning guns would fix the problem. We know that there are other weapons that are very effective at killing people. It's fairly easy to make um, 
homemade explosives. It there are things you keep under your kitchen sink that can explode very easily. Um, knives can be used to kill lots and lots of people very, very quickly. Yes, guns are particularly good at it, but other weapons are good at it also. I truly do not think that banning guns or even just banning quote-unquote assault rifles, rifles cannot have intentions, but that's a story for another time. I don't think that banning guns in general or any particular kind of gun is going to have much of an effect. But I, as much as any of my dear friends on the left, am, am sickened by these things happening. And I don't know why I said my dear friends on the left. My dear friends on the right are just as sickened as well. I don't have any friends who would not be sickened by this kind of event. It just turns your stomach and it, it's just so sad. And the more you think about it, the sadder it gets. So I've asked this question several times. What can we do? I think we're focusing on entirely the wrong thing. It's a trope by now, it's cliche, but guns don't kill people. People kill people with guns. People kill people with cars and knives and explosives and their bare hands. And people kill people. People have been killing people since almost the dawn of time. People do monstrous, monstrous things to other people. And guns do make that easier, but getting rid of the guns doesn't fix the problem. I'm sure it doesn't surprise you that I, in my soul, think the only way to solve this problem is um, through faith in, in Christ. But we're setting that aside for now because even though I am a person of faith and that does influence my politics, this is not a faith show. So, thinking secularly for a minute, what can we do? I maintain that this problem is broader than the guns themselves. A lot of people, especially it seems on the right, have been trying to shift the focus onto mental health. I think that's a good step in the right direction. There is something in someone's brain that is broken if they can go and kill 17 people. It's just true. There, there, there is something in their brain that is wrong. I am not absolving these shooters of any responsibility. They are responsible for their own actions. They deserve punishment for those actions. But we can't ignore the fact that their brains are broken. They still have agency. They can choose to overcome. They can respond to the help they get. They make that decision to pull that trigger. But what gets them to the point that they're making that decision, whether or not to pull that trigger? That is mental health. 
And I think that's a better focus for the national conversation. And I think that gradually things are moving in that direction. But I want to talk today specifically about school shootings. And to get even more specific, I want to talk about the kind of school shooting where a student of that school comes to school and kills schoolmates. Obviously, there are other kinds of mass shootings. Obviously, there are shootings at schools that are committed not by schoolmates. But what makes kids come to school one day and kill their fellow students? What allows that to happen? What in our education system allows that resentment to breed? And I think this is what we can talk about, a very real reform that we can do that will reduce the number of these school shootings. And it's very, very, very simple. It doesn't even mention any kind of weaponry. And it's a bit expensive, I'll admit. But it's far less expensive than increasing the size of the FBI to track every gun purchase and doing a national buyback program. And shoot, why don't we just cut defense spending a little bit, quote unquote, defense spending a little bit to pay for this because here it is. It's super simple. One step. Reduce class sizes. Have fewer kids in each classroom. 16 tops. Have enough kids that kids get social interaction with each other, but not so many kids that the teacher then can get to know each kid personally. I think if we're going to take one action, that's the best way to go. But why stop there? Why don't we take out from our education system everything that we've put into it that makes it like a factory? Why don't we, we deprussify, if you will, um, the education system, move away from the Prussian model where we have segmented this class and that class and the next class and, the, and, and a bell shuffles kids impersonally from one class to the next. Why, but why stop there? Why don't we allow teachers to teach as they see fit? Why are we letting politicians who will never see kids in a classroom unless they're making a PR stop, why are we letting politicians dictate what those teachers should be allowed to teach their kids, how they should be allowed to teach their kids in their classes? So structurally reform the education system. I very strongly think, I. I guarantee, <laughs> insofar as I can guarantee anything, that if we were to make these changes, we would see fewer kids show up at school and kill their classmates. In a smaller classroom, a teacher would get to know each student personally. They would get to 
if 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 we unleashed teachers and let them actually teach kids as you know they have been trained to do then they would get to know the students personally they would see if things are wrong in their lives they would be able to interact one on one with the students then these marginalized people who end up shooting up a school wouldn't be as marginalized. And if a teacher noticed a warning sign in a student, then they might know the student well enough to know how to deal with it. If we make the education system more personal, more respecting of what it means to be a person, then students will not feel so helpless when they're struggling. And I think that's a big, big factor in this. Also, we need to teach students how to think. And this is one thing that that Common Core actually does okay. I know Common Core, especially in conservative circles, really um, is not popular. And I am not, you know, a fan of Common Core, but I do appreciate that one, one aspect of Common Core is trying to get kids to think critically. And I think thinking critically is one part of teaching kids how to think. Right now, our school system is pretty much designed around these tests and these standards. And that's just become the convention of what school needs to be. And I don't think that's the case. I, I think that we don't need to teach to the test. We need to teach kids how to be thinking adults. And also, our education in our schools needs to connect to the community. Kids don't need to just learn facts. They need to learn facts and how those facts can impact the everyday people that they meet. I really think that this education is the route to solving this piece of the mass shooting puzzle. I really think that it is the system that is failing these kids. And yes, I said it before in this episode, I'm going to say it again. They are responsible. If someone comes in and shoots up a school, that shooter is responsible. But the system can be structured in such a way as to help kids not reach that point. Think, think about a totally unrelated example. Let's say that you are driving down a road and it's a very, very wide road. Your lane is 18 feet wide and it's in the middle of the desert. There's nobody around. It's flat. The speed limit is 25 miles per hour. How many people do you think are going to actually drive 25 miles per hour? Well, everyone who drives over 25 miles per hour makes the conscious choice to become a criminal. They make the conscious choice to have this criminal action of going over the speed limit. 
but the design of the road really incentivized them to make that decision. On a much more serious level, a school shooter decides to become a criminal, but the system incentivizes it. Not so much incentivizes as doesn't disincentivize as well as it should. Our system should serve kids. Kids should not be a part of the system. They should be the, the beneficiaries of everything in the system. Not one child in our public schools should be so marginalized and feel so lonely as to be driven to this action. And the fact that it has happened far more than once should compel us to action with urgency. Reduce class sizes, make education a more personal experience. Let teachers teach the students that they have, not the students that some politician hypothesizes about on paper. I truly believe that if we do this, we will see fewer school shootings. What about the others, though? What about the other kinds of mass shootings? People who go and shoot at malls, or as was the case in Newtown a few years ago, where an adult man goes to a school and, and kills people. What, what about those? What do we do with those? Well, I think that these reforms in education would go a long step toward fixing the problems before they start. I think a lot of times when we see 25, 30-year-old people committing these crimes, maybe if they'd had better teenage years, they never would have gotten to that point. But also, in addition to our conversation about mental health, which is kind of the key for those older people, those people who aren't students, um, but who go and and kill lots of people, usually with a gun. Um, they, in addition to that mental health conversation, we need to have an idea of what I have termed American violence. And that is a phrase that some people would think of as charged. I call it American violence, capital A, capital V, just to call attention to the fact that I think it is a violent spirit that is permeated throughout American society. We think in terms of fights. Our nation was founded in a fight. Slavery was ended in a fight. And fights are good because fights get things done and getting things done is the American way and we will fight for our rights and we will, we think in these terms and we're trained to think in these terms. And I'm not saying that anybody who says any of those things I just said, wow, that was quite a sentence. <laughs> I'm not saying that those things are evil and that people who say them are evil, but I am saying I do believe that there is a violent spirit within American culture. I do believe that Americans are more violent than, for instance, people from Scandinavian countries. 
I think that our problem goes beyond guns. I think that it's cultural rot. And we need to look for ways to tone down violent rhetoric and violent thinking. Even just stop and think about the way our elections go. We're not trying to win the White House. We're trying to take back the White House. The Democrats aren't trying to give you more health care options. They're trying to take away your choice to make your health care decisions. The Republicans aren't trying to give you more education options. They're against education and they're anti-teacher. Everything is in terms of fights. And we have to stop this. All of us. I am guilty of it. You are probably guilty of it. We have to stop thinking on these terms. And once we do that, maybe, just maybe, we'll start to see an end to this particular type of tragedy. Thank you so much for tuning in to Second Look today. Um, it was a little bit more unstructured of an episode today, but I hope it still brought value to you. As I said at the beginning, my name is Benjamin Green. You can find me on Twitter at BGreenAZ. You can support this show and all of our shows in the Outset Network by going to iTunes and rating it. Um, we'd love it if you gave it a five-star rating. To find the other shows in the Outset Network, you have to go to our brand new website, which is outsetnetwork.com. Uh, we have moved over there. It's an exciting new direction, new chapter in the life of Outset. So make sure you head on over to outsetnetwork.com and check that out. Next time, hopefully, we'll talk about our cities and what makes them strong. So... Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.